0: This week on Geek Explained, before we dive headfirst into 2021, I'm taking one last look back at the roller coaster that was 2020 with our Geek Explained year in review. Welcome back to Explained. I'm your host, Eric Azana, And today's episode is the final episode of 2020. We made it. Ah, we made it, everybody. It's finally over. Oh my gosh. Depending on when you listen to this. It could either be uh, right before the end of the year, it could be in the new year, but either way, this is the final episode of 2020 before we jump right right into 2021 and before we all do that i wanted to take a look back at the films tv comics and video games of 2020 and talk about the ones that i loved Uh, basically i do this every single year i look back on the year that we had and kind of rank my top five in each category so that's what this episode is going to be about it's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode uh no new segment no week Review. I'm giving those two segments a break before we jump back into them in the new year. So, for this episode, we're just going to have the main course, the main event, the entree, if you will, and then we're going to be diving straight into the comics, this week's comics countdown. So, uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive straight in to our Geek Explained year in review for 2020. Don't mind guys and dolls geeks everywhere it is now time for the geek explained year in review for 2020 i honestly thought we were never gonna get here at certain points in this year it felt like 2020 was gonna last another 10 years and even though 2020 by itself was probably about five to six years uh we're in what the ninth month of march at this point (laughs) um I am happy to say that the year is almost over and uh, 2021 is on the horizon. But before we get into 2021, I want to take a look back at the year that was 2020 through the medium of geek culture. We're talking film, TV, comics, video games, and I'm going to be ranking my top five of each category So, I'm going to kick things off with film here. We're going to go film, TV, games, and then finish everything out with comics. Um, And jumping right into film at number five of my top five films of the year, we have a little known film called Over the Moon. Now, if you didn't see this, I would totally forgive you. It is a Netflix original film that was an animated film, very much in the style of a Pixar, a DreamWorks, that kind of film. And the The film in itself is so, it's so cool. I watched it um, probably a little bit after it first released, and it tells the story of Fei Fei, who's a young Chinese girl dealing with the aftermath of the passing of her mother, and the story kind of kicks off with Fei Fei meeting, I guess, essentially her uh, her soon-to-be stepmom, Mrs. Zhang, and, as well as her new stepbrother, Qin. And she is driven by the legend of the moon goddess Chang'e, who uh, is basically living in the moon, waiting for... Uh, Basically, waiting to be reunited with her lover, and so Fei Fei t- builds this little rocket alongside her uh, her bunny Bungie. and her along with Chin rocket themselves up to the moon to basically prove that Chang'a is real and get Fei Fei's dad to remember her mom, essentially, so it's a tale of divorce, it's a tale of, uh, memory, it's a tale of family, and honestly, like, it was one of the most surprisingly, um, it it was just such a pleasant pleasant surprise to watch this movie. As, like, an Asian-American guy, like, I don't see a whole lot of, uh, really good Asian, uh, Asian animated films being brought forward to like um to american audiences that's why i'm really excited about Ryan and the last dragon and this film is a really fun heartfelt story and it's also a musical so it's got that kind of disney flavor as well um some of the cast let me pull this up here um some of the cast uh include uh kathy Ong as Fei, Fei uh philippa Su plays chang ah or chang a, i'm sorry Um, who is the moon goddess, and she's fantastic. Uh, You have John Cho in there. You have Sandra Oh, Margaret Cho. um. Ken Jeong plays uh, Gobi, who is this, like, little... um, basically this, like, little uh, dog-slash... different animal spirit who is kind of uh feifei's companion along the way it's just a fun story that i really adored and if you've got the time it's it's the the music is very catchy as well i there are certain times i'll um i'll just find myself humming like the uh the rocket to the moon um the what is the the ping pong there's a ping pong sequence of course i think it's called hey boy is the song uh ultra luminary it's a great heartfelt story also a about you know dealing with moving on and growing from tragedy um as a child of divorce this movie hit me pretty hard so uh i would say if you've got the time if it interests you absolutely take the time to watch this uh, next up at number four for films we have birds of prey and the fantabulous emancipation of harley quinn or birds of prey or harley quinn birds of prey or harley quinn and the birds of prey whatever you want to title it this is essentially a harley quinn spin-off from the uh dismal suicide squad film and it's uh man i really like this movie <laughs> um it got kind of a bad rap and the um I would say the marketing of it was not very strong. The box office was not strong at all, which sucks because this is one of the most unique superhero movies that I've ever watched. Uh, It's just, it's a roller coaster from start to finish. It takes all of the things that, Suicide Squad did right and trust me there was not a lot of them but really like kicks it up and injects all of this flavor we also get the live action film debuts of characters like Huntress Black Canary Renee Montoya and not Cassandra Kane. it's honestly it was the most fun I've had with a superhero film uh for a while probably since Shazam and it was just such a joy to watch and something that i will always recommend if you are looking to get into dc films if you've been burned off of them haven't checked them out in a few years check this out you'll have a fun time with it i love the cast the soundtrack is really really good um and i'm kind of i i hope that this gets some kind of follow-up whether that's like an hbo max series or You know, a direct sequel that introduces more Gotham City sirens, like uh, Poison Ivy, Catwoman, that kind of thing. I would definitely give this a watch if you haven't seen it already. Uh, Number three, this one kind of snuck in right at the end of the year. It's not the one you're thinking of. It's Soul. Um... This is a Disney Pixar film, and as I'm recording this episode, I just watched this today, which might mean that I'm a little biased putting it this high on the list, um, but oh my god, like this film was incredible. Uh, Basically, the film follows a middle school band teacher named uh, Joe Gardner, and after he seemingly gets his big break, as a jazz musician, he dies. Like he falls down this um, this manhole into the sewer, and his soul is separated from his body. He is uh, he is effectively dead, and so the story basically uh, revolves around this the soul of Joe trying to make it back to his body so that he can experience this big break. And it's so fascinating watching this film because as a creative. There are so many things in this movie that speak to me. Um, out of all of these films, let me see here. Because um, out of all five of the films that uh, that I have listed on here, uh, I cried at this one. Um, I did, and it's really interesting. It's not your your uh, your typical Disney Pixar film, which I know sounds strange, but. It really felt different. It's not, you know, the most action-packed film, but it's funny. It's heartfelt. It's got a great cast. Uh, Jamie Foxx plays Joe Gardner. Tina Fey plays 22, who is this um, this newborn soul who is desperate to not ever leave and go to Earth. And the two of them are basically the crux of the story. Uh, you've got Graham Norton in the cast. Uh uh Daveed Diggs Felicia Rashad Angela Bassett like you've got this great cast and I kind of wish that this had been um a year that we could see stuff like this in theaters because I think this would have had just as much of a uh maybe I'm I might be exaggerating, but I think it could have been a, you know, comparable to the kind of critical response and uh, commercial response that Into the Spider-Verse had. Maybe, probably not, because Spider-Man is a huge IP and superhero films are all the rage right now, but... This film really spoke to me as someone who, you know, at different points in my life, I found myself frustrated with the place that I was at. You know, I found myself trying to find what my purpose in life is. And honestly, yeah, there is a point near the end of this movie where I, I cried. I full on cried. And a film hasn't been able to like really pull that out of me in a while. And it was um, it, it was it was kind of incredible. So um, I would definitely recommend this film, especially if you're a creative, um, someone who has gone through like the creative process and a creative of any kind. It doesn't have to be just music or like mine is voice acting or just acting in general. Um, anything that you're creative about, if you watch this, you will find value in it. And it's just it's such a freaking good time. I would definitely recommend it. Uh, at number two, another film that kind of came out of nowhere for me that I didn't expect to like as much as I did, uh, The Trial of the Chicago Seven. Now this, and I had no idea, uh, I didn't know anything about this. Uh, this is a, uh, a historical drama that centers around, uh, the seven, uh, the seven individuals, Abby Hoffman, Jerry Rubin, Tom Hayden, uh, Rennie Davis, Devin, David Dellinger, Lee Weiner, John Froines, and Bobby Seale. Uh, now, these characters, or these people, mind you, uh, these real-life real people, uh, in the summer of 1968 were part of this uh, protest for the Democratic National Convention in Chicago. Uh, the film opens up with all, all seven of them kind of getting ready for this protest in their own different ways. And then it cuts to five months later, where all eight of them, mind you, it's eight, not seven, The Trial of the Chicago 7, there is an explanation for that. Uh, all eight of them are basically, have been arrested and are charged with trying to incite a riot. And so this film is about that uh, is about that trial, all the events leading up to it, the different perspectives from those uh, put on trial. And it's an incredible film. I had no idea about any of this, about these people, about the event, about the incident, about the trial. Um, but it's kind of it's, it is an incredible story. And this is a film that for days after watching it, I was still thinking about. Not only is it incredible that this really happened. Not only does it have incredible performances with an all-star cast. I mean, we've got Sasha Baron Cohen, Eddie Redmayne, Alex Sharp, Jeremy Strong, John Carroll Lynch. Um, we've got Yaya Abdul Mateen, who is on fire right now. We've even got a uh, pretty amazing. Um, I would say. Uh, Pretty amazing return to forms for uh michael keaton joseph gordon levitt uh who is who is the who's the judge who's the judge um da, 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 da. oh why can't i find it oh no um i'm i'm looking up the uh Uh, Frank Langella who is just the most despicable judge in this movie Um, honestly it is an incredible story it's an incredibly true story as well the performances are outstanding the story is not just uh, engaging but it's also super relevant right now as well so I would go I would take the time go out of your way watch this it's also on Netflix um and then the final film, my number one film of the year, it's a sentimental favorite. I, re- I realize that, but it's something that I have watched multiple times this year, and I just keep coming back to it. It's Hamilton. You know it. Hamilton's amazing. Uh, this, this is the uh, feature film recording of the, uh, of the theater play. Of the broad show musical, uh, broad show the Broadway musical that kind of uh, took the world by storm. Lin Manuel Miranda, uh, David Diggs, Jonathan Groff, um, Liz- Leslie Odom Jr., Philip Asu, all of these incredible, incredible actors. I'm not just gonna say theater actors because they're all just incredible performers in themselves. You know what Hamilton is? It's the life and times of Alexander Hamilton. Starting from him arriving in the U.S. all the way to his death in a duel with uh, Aaron Burr. Spoilers. Um, I've loved this uh, this musical, this show. This has been really near and dear to my heart um, because this was a show that was really starting to kick up, you know, pick up steam and really uh, getting traction around the same time that I moved out to L.A. And it was a huge part of my motivation when it came to going after the things that I want. I will not throw away my shot. I know it's, it's silly and it's cliche, but it's, it's true. And I love this show for the performances, the songs, the sets, having never seen it in person having never been able to see it live this was as good as you can get to seeing it live um i would still recommend if you are able to whenever you know theaters start to open up again definitely do so uh try and go see this there's been a lot you know the broadway community has been hit really hard by the pandemic uh so support support your local theaters definitely do that But uh, for Hamilton, this film was such a uh, it was so needed at the time that it came out. It came out in July, um, right at the time that like things were really feeling, at least for me, really feeling hopeless. So this was the the this was the shot in the arm that I needed. I absolutely love it. And if you haven't seen it or you haven't seen it since July, check it out Uh, to recap on these At number five, Over the Moon, you can find on Netflix, just kind of giving you where you can find this stuff. At number four, I have uh, Birds of Prey, which you can find on HBO Max. Uh, Number three, I have Soul, which you can find on Disney Plus. At number two, I have The Trial of the Chicago 7, which you can find on Netflix. And at number one, I have Hamilton, which you can find on Disney Plus as well. Now, uh, as we move on to TV, TV, this was a huge year for TV. Uh, lots of stuff happened. Lots of freaking stuff went on with this, um, with this medium, uh, mostly because we were kind of stuck at home for a lot of it. So, uh, I really, I really kind of dug into TV this year and I ended up finding a lot of stuff. This one was probably the hardest to narrow down into, uh, into five spots, and this was the one that I, um, that I probably spent the most time on, trying to figure out where this goes, what did I put here, and so uh, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive into number five, which is Harley Quinn uh harley quinn the animated series saw both season one and season two drop this year and what a revelation this show was this has been kind of on the back burner for dc universe and now hbo max for uh a while and so uh getting to finally see what this was was um just a complete surprise for me in how much i truly and honestly loved it uh the the Basic premise is it's Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn uh, has to deal with uh, Gotham, has to deal with her breakup with the Joker. Um, And you get to see, and I've talked about this before on our uh, weekly review, where I was just so delighted by this show. Constantly. Every single episode, whether I loved it more than the last or not, was such a great look into not just the character, but the world of Gotham City, of the wider DC universe. And even though I think as a whole, I enjoy season one more than season two, uh, watching both together is one complete story. And it's incredible. It really honestly is um as a dc fan getting something from dc that is good uh is something that i will always celebrate and having a really fun animated series uh was just what the doctor ordered so uh for this as it stands at number five is harley quinn the animated series at number four i think this was kind of a surprise uh especially for me but um it's The Last Dance, which is a documentary, a 10-part documentary on the career of Michael Jordan. Now, you might think, wait a second, isn't this a sports thing? And you would be correct. It is a sports thing. Um, surprise, surprise, I really enjoy um, sports. Not, I'm not, you know, one of those obsessive people. I don't put as much time and effort into sports as I do into geeky stuff like comic books and uh, video games, but... I really enjoy sports and the thing I love the most about sports are sports documentaries. Uh, I love good stories and sports have some of the best stories in the history of media. And this, this documentary, this 10 part documentary kind of promised to be this full encompassing retrospective on the career of Michael Jordan, who is touted by many as the greatest, basketball player of all time and whether or not you believe that to be the case this uh this documentary does really make the case for him to be the best of all time um our uh our roommate's cat is a huge michael jordan fan you could probably hear him meowing right now but uh <laughs> but i honestly i love this this is a full retrospective on the six championships that uh that Michael Jordan won with the Chicago bulls, basically going from his drafting by the Chicago bulls all the way up to his final championship win in 1998. And so, uh, it does leave out his later years as a member of the wizards, but you know, that's not important. Um, but it also does a great job in not just telling Michael's story, but also telling the story of the Chicago bulls during that time. It puts the spotlight on people like, uh, Scotty Pippen, uh, people who I, you know, as someone who grew up in the nineties, you know, didn't really uh give as much um uh give as much praise to people like John Paxson, Steve Kerr. They had Dennis Rodman, one of the most unique people in all of sports. And of course you've gotta give uh a lot of credit to Phil Jackson as a coach. But I'm getting in the weeds here. I loved this sports documentary. I, I enjoy sports, newsflash. Um, but this is something that I had been kind of anticipating for a while. Sports documentaries are my jam. And uh, something to this level with this much care, uh, with archive footage, interviews, um, retellings, whether they're, you know, completely historically accurate accurate or not or leave out specific facts um i enjoy stuff like this and the story that it tells across its 10 episodes was uh fantastic and is a great um it's a great sports it's a great story not just a sports story but a story of how um how one man's obsession to be the best helped to lift up and also drive away the people closest to him to get to be the best it's a fantastic story and you should absolutely take the time to watch it even if you're not a sports fan because even if you're not a sports fan you know who Michael Jordan is you know who the Chicago Bulls are and this may give you a greater appreciation for that team and this player and their historical relevance so that is why it is at my number four at number three we have uh another netflix release that came just out of left field for me uh that's the queen's gambit this uh gosh man this this was probably one of my favorite uh viewing experiences of the entire year this basically uh Uh, this tells the story of Beth Harmon, who is this, uh, orphan who ends up finding a love for chess and ends up becoming one of the, uh, becomes one of the best, if not the best chess player in the world while also battling addiction, uh, her own, um, uh, family drama and all of this stuff. It's so good. And as someone who was in Chess Club for a hot minute as a kid, uh, this really kind of reignited that fire. Uh, And I know I'm not the only one. Apparently chess sets were a hot commodity for this holiday season because of this show. Uh, The cast is also fantastic. Anya Taylor-Joy plays Beth Harmon. Anya Taylor-Joy is a fantastic actress, and she has been doing a lot. She's been all over the place this year. She was also in... a and new mutants which spoiler is the number one film of the year I'm kidding I'm kidding or am I but honestly like this has such a great cast of people playing all of these historically and not historically uh, accurate characters uh Thomas Brody sagster appears once again one of my uh my uh, favorite actors who just hasn't for whatever reason really really taken off um he plays benny watts who is a chess player by day and a werewolf hunter by night um i that's not true but it's look at him but uh it's one of my favorite viewing experiences of the year and if it you know if there's any weight that i could put on this that i could stress how much you need to watch this my partner never binges anything she has to watch like one or two episodes of something and then take a break uh per day she can't binge stuff and we binged this whole thing uh alongside this it's a fantastic period piece goes from the mid 1950s into the 60s and you know how much of a sucker i am for period pieces it's a great story of of uh addiction of ambition and anya taylor joy just wraps it all up it's it's so good it's so good i would definitely recommend it so that is my number three and number two i have the mandalorian this one just wrapped up um i love the mandalorian star wars is in a good place clone wars is like at number six like clone wars just got eked out on this list um But The Mandalorian was so freaking good. We all loved the first season, even if we didn't love every episode. And season two kicked it up several notches, bringing in characters like Ahsoka Tano, Boba Fett, um, another Jedi, if you haven't finished the season yet, uh, in the finale. But really just raised the stakes, continued on the quest of uh, Dindarin to... reunite baby yoda also known as grogu to uh his people to the jedi and it was just a fantastic continuation onto the story also giving us spin-offs spin-offs galore i count now what is it one two three spin-offs at least we're getting a boba fett show ahsoka tano um uh what is it rangers of the new republic so the Mandalorian is quickly becoming just as much a tentpole of the Star Wars uh, franchise as the films ever were. So I would definitely, if you haven't, uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, if you haven't caught up yet, do yourself a favor. It's a great time with some great space western stories. So that is why it is at my number two, and at number one, again, a sentimental favorite and one that I'm sure uh, will surprise many people. Crisis on Infinite Earths. I know, I know. It's the CW, and the CW's uh, track record is not great. But the but Crisis on Infinite Earths was, you know, promised to be this huge, you know, multiverse shaking uh, event for the DC TV universe, and it was, for better or worse, had great performances, some iconic moments, a fantastic send-off for, uh, Stephen Amell in the role of Oliver Queen, and honestly, I just, I love, I love nerdy DC Comics stuff, man. Uh, it's my list, damn it, and I am putting Crisis on Infinite Earths at the top. So, uh, to recap, for TV, we've got in fifth place, uh, at number five, Harley Quinn, the animated series. At number four, we have The Last Dance, or Harley Harley Quinn, the animated series you can find on HBO Max. Uh, the Last Dance you can find on Netflix. <laughs> Our, our, our roommate's cat is very, uh, very into this TV list. At number three, we have The Queen's Gambit, which you can also find on Netflix. At number two, The Mandalorian, which is on Disney+. Plus. And at number one, Crisis on Infinite Earths, which you can find both on the CW app as well as on Netflix presently. So that brings us on over to video games. Now, video games uh, had quite the year. Uh, Peaks and valleys, I would say, with video games this year. We had some pretty great highs and some really bad lows. And honestly, this year kind of promised a lot when it came to video games and gaming in general. And I will say that for... (sighs) For 80 to 85% of it, it absolutely delivered. This year also saw the debuts of the PS5 and the Xbox Series X slash Xbox Series S, the series, we'll call them. Um, And honestly, you know, gaming got me through a lot of this year. There was a lot of uh, time spent playing video games, just trying to escape through the horribleness that was going on outside so uh in compiling this list this here uh top five for the year uh i had a lot of fun just kind of revisiting the games that really spoke to me throughout the year of 2020 so without further ado at number five we have kingdom hearts 3 remind i know it's a dlc but it's 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 it came out in 2020 it is it's Just as worthy as the rest of the game itself. So it's my list. Again, you can fight me on this later. Um, But honestly, Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind was a DLC that had a lot of expectation behind it. Uh, It was literally the only DLC that was promised for Kingdom Hearts 3. And with the amount of... I don't want to say plot holes. I am going to say opportunities to tell further stories in kingdom hearts 3 uh this was going to be a you know make it or break it for the game itself and thankfully remind was a home run in so many different ways we got multiple new playable characters including my boy my boy roxas um i okay guys I love Roxas Roxas is my favorite character and I got to play as Roxas in the prettiest and most technically uh exciting Kingdom Hearts uh, entry in the entire franchise um this also brought on the uh, the data organization getting to fight the organiz- the uh, the true organization 13 which were some of the most frustrating uh, enemies that you could find, I platinumed, I want to say, almost, almost, I almost platinumed all of the games on this list, um, but this game I really, uh, I love, I love the Kingdom Hearts franchise, you know I do, we did an entire series on them, you can go back in the archives, check those out, um, but I just, I, I loved every second of this. Even when I was frustrated. Even when I fought Yozora for a straight week. Like, I love this game. And I loved the DLC. This was a home run for me through and through. And so that is why it is at my number five. At number four, we have Spider-Man Miles Morales. To the surprise of no one. I really enjoyed this game. Um... This is the pseudo-sequel slash spinoff to Spider-Man PS4 from a couple years back. This could be considered, I guess, Spider-Man 1.5, but puts us in the shoes of uh, Miles Morales getting to be uh, New York's one and only Spider-Man. It's honestly, it takes all the things I loved about the first game and, um, it just makes them better. Uh, Miles's uh, gameplay is smooth. I was able, I was lucky enough, I was very fortunate to be able to play this on the PS5. And the game is gorgeous. It's the same exact map, so there's not a whole lot of, you know, uh, not a whole lot of changes there. But we do get the winter Christmas-esque uh, setting, which I love. I love the, I just love the, um, the visuals of new york around christmas time and that also was able to enhance a lot of the story as well miles after peter parker is more or less i'm trying to be as non-spoiler as possible um but it just it's going to come out here and there uh miles morales becomes new york's spider man because of reasons and so we get to see miles not just uh work his way into that responsibility but also build up his own rogues gallery um honestly this game would have been higher on the list if it was longer the game in itself just story mode is probably right around five to six hours uh, you can extend the life of that with side quests collectibles all that stuff bringing it right to around uh 10 to 12 but i just loved Everything about this game, um, it, it it's it's Miles Morales through and through. If you love Spider-Verse, pick up this game. You will love this game just as much. Um, I had such a great time. This being my very first uh, PlayStation 5 game, as well as my first Platinum on the PlayStation 5, was a fantastic experience. And I would absolutely recommend it, especially if you love Spider-Man. So that is why it, it is at my number four. At number three, we have The Last of Us Part 2. Now, this game, oh my god, this game is either the best game of all time or the worst game of all time, depending on who you ask. For me, because I am who I am, sits right in the middle of uh, at least this year. Um, This game was uh i don't even know if i can really call it a video game in itself for me it was an experience this was uh probably the most visceral gaming experience i had all year there were points in this game that i felt like like actually sick like physically sick um there were moments where i was um I was just beaming. I was jumping up and down about how excited I was. This game was such an a an incredible experience, and it, as a whole, its mark on history I think is going to be is going to only improve over time, after people get over their uh, their prejudices and their uh, whatever you want to call it their problems with this game. It's not a perfect game. I will say that right away, but. As a story, a story of revenge, a story of depression, a story of um, sacrificing everything to get what you want. Like, it is an incredible story, uh, bringing in characters like Abby, uh, fleshing out and just evolving characters like Ellie. Like, it is a visceral gaming experience that I will not forget for a very long time very long time. So that is why it is at my number 3. At number 2, we have the nostalgia pick. We have Final Fantasy 7 Remake. And honestly, this game was almost number 1 for me. Um I am a huge fan of Final Fantasy just as a franchise and Final Fantasy 7 Remake is one of the best games in the entire series. You can go back in the uh, in the archives right around the time that this game released i counted down my top five uh final fantasy games of all time and maybe i'll have to you know amend or do an addendum on that list at some point in the future because this game absolutely deserves a place among that top five um just taking a game that so many people love so many people cherish and who that shaped gaming for so many people in their childhoods in their adulthoods um remaking it and making it as good as it was is a near impossible feat but somehow they were able to pull it off um this game would probably be higher for me it might have been number one if not for you know the uh, sharp left turn it makes in uh Right around, I would say, 90% of the way into the game. But even so, with that, um, that part of the game is still enjoyable. It's still fun getting to take these characters on a journey that, while uh, somewhat familiar, was also fleshed out in many ways. If you're a fan of Yakuza, the Yakuza series, uh, definitely pick this up because you'll love it. Um, It takes all the things that the original game did well and improves upon them and brings them into the 21st century and into the next generation of games people who were not able to play the original final fantasy 7 are going to experience it through uh through this game for the first time uh i would say it's a better experience if you have played the the original game and you have some uh understanding of these characters and the story, but. All in all, it's still an incredible game, and it's a game that I sunk so many hours into this year, but it's not my number one game. My number one game of the year, my number one game for 2020, Ghost of Tsushima. Ghost of Tsushima, you knew it had to be on here, Um, it's my game of the year it's honestly it was just the game that i needed Uh, an open world game that thrusts you into uh into feudal era japan where you are dealing with a mongol invasion you get it's basically the greatest samurai game i've ever played uh while also at the same time being a great feudal era japan batman game um I loved it. I loved every single second of this game. It's gorgeous. The gameplay is buttery smooth. The story is fantastic, showing how far someone would go to protect uh, his people. Um, it's it's an incredible story. Again, you know the Asian representation of this year was fantastic in all forms of media, and so getting to uh, really love a game that puts asian leads in the forefront and was ex- as successful as it was uh, it's it's an easy choice for me plus right near the end of the year after i thought this game had every had done everything that it needed to to become my game of the year they brought in a multiplayer mode and it's not trash it is a fantastic multiplayer mode with not just a two-player campaign but four-player horde modes um It's everything you could want out of a fun multiplayer game, out of a fun game, out of an incredible narrative experience, and it is absolutely my game of the year. So to recap, for our Vidya games, we have at number five, Kingdom Hearts 3 Remind, which you can get on uh, PS4, Xbox One, I don't know about PC, but you can also... Uh, basically, if you have the game, you will be able to get this game. Uh, at number four, we have Spider-Man Miles Morales, which at present is just on PlayStation Four and PlayStation Five. Uh, uh, at number three, we have The Last of Us Part Two, which is exclusively on PlayStation Four, but you can also backwards compatible on your PlayStation Five. Uh, at number two, we have Final Fantasy 7 Remake. Same case, PlayStation Four only, though. I believe it is getting a delayed release on Xbox and PC next year. I might be wrong on that. It might already be out on the PC. But um, it's a coming for those uh, non-PlayStation owners. And then at number one, Ghost of Tsushima ghost of tsushima ghost of tsushima i love it so much um i believe it's a playstation only so playstation 4 backwards compatibility with playstation 5 uh it's a fantastic game all of these games are fantastic and absolutely deserve your time so that brings us ladies and gentlemen to comics this was a big year for comics this was a year that honestly was um Man, Uh, honestly, what had, just like in uh, video games, Peaks and Valleys, some incredible comics, some comics that really did miss the mark for me. Um, But overall, this was a great year for comics. Lots of incredible stuff came out this year. And so uh, a little bit of um, some criteria I wanted to put on this because you might find that there are specific... uh, Specific absences on this list. For the comics to uh, ha- to appear on this list, they have to either A, have their entire run in 2020, B, still be ongoing through 2020, or C, if they're a miniseries or a limited series, have to have at least half of their... Uh, of their entries into the miniseries released in 2020. And that is why I have to I have to give an honorable mention, but it could not make the list because of that criteria to Superman Smashes the Klan. Uh, it hurt me to not include it on this list because it would have been my number one. However, out of the three issues of Superman Smashes the Clan, two of them came out in 2019. Uh, With the second issue or with the uh, final issue coming out in February. So it just missed the mark. It just missed it. Um, But if it had not been for that, it would have been my number one. It would have absolutely been on the list. So. Uh, it's not on the list. You can uh, go back to, I believe it was my my birthday episode, mid-August, where I talked about how much I love that story. It's my favorite Superman story of the past, you know, 10 years. So definitely go check that out. But for the entries on this list, for the top comics in my humble opinion of 2020 at number five we have superman's pal jimmy olsen i still got a superman title on here um i love this book uh this was a book that i was not sure how to feel about when i picked up the first two issues but because it did have half of its run in 2020 it made the cut just barely um but this is as close to a uh, Street level Superman story as you can tell, while also being this wacky, um, uh, what's the word? Anthology of Jimmy Olsen trying to figure out who is trying to kill him. Um, it's an incredible story by uh, by Matt Fraction and Steve Lieber so good throughout the entire run. Pick it up if you haven't checked it out yet. There might also be some Jimmy Olsen content coming from some very good friends in the YouTube sphere next month, so keep your eyes out for Jimmy. Uh which may or may not be real, according to Matt Draper. Who who knows at this point. But Honestly, if you're looking for a fun uh, kind of slice of life story that also has a great mystery as well as one of my favorite Superman interactions between him and Jimmy. If you've read it, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, it's an incredible story that absolutely deserves your time. At number four, we have Deceased. Now, this is Deceased in a few different, um, different mediums. We have Deceased, uh, Hope at World's End. We have Deceased, The Unkillables, and Deceased, Dead Planet. All three of those came out this year. If you're a Deceased fan, this was your year. Tom Taylor, Trevor Harrison, uh, so many other artists that I can't even count uh, really committed to making this whole year the year of Deceased. Um, It was just... Tom Taylor's on fire. Uh, right now i'm so excited we're gonna be talking about him more uh next in next week's episode but i'm so excited to see where 2021 takes tom taylor because he is my favorite i i i'm not even ashamed to say it he is my favorite writer right now in comics and the work that he does alongside the incredible artists that he has gotten to work with this year make this an easy choice on the uh, on the list, deceased is the biggest DC uh, hit. I would say surprise hit in in quite a few years. So I would say if you haven't yet, if you haven't caught up with deceased yet, if you've only read the first deceased. Do yourself a favor, check these out, because they're put. They're doing the Lord's work, Tom Taylor and Trevor Harrison are, with this book. Uh, Unkillables is a fantastic side story, a companion to the first deceased, as is Deceased Hope at World's End, which fills in the gaps between, I believe, Issue 5 and Issue 6. And then Deceased Dead Planet is the sequel series, which is still ongoing at this point. Uh, check them all out, they're fantastic. Next up at number 3, we have... Thor. I did not think that Thor was going to be this high on the list. Honestly, Donny Cates, uh, Nick Klein, with a couple issues, a couple of my favorite issues of the run by uh, Aaron Cuder. This was a surprise hit for me, and a book that I was not sure that I was going to love when it was announced. When uh, Jason Aaron announced that he was going to be leaving the Thor franchise post War of Realms and post of our post King Thor, I. I did not think anyone was going to be able to pick up the ball as well as Donny Cates and Nick Klein have. Uh, it's a fantastic story, uh, really telling the next chapter. When I believed that all these stories that all the great Thor stories had been told by Jason Aaron, uh, Donny Cates proves that there's still more in the tank for the God of Thunder, and I am all the. Uh, all the better for it as is the character himself so definitely check these out right now they're in the middle of the prey arc which is fascinating and brings back donald blake in a way that i was not expecting so definitely check this out go back pick these up they are fantastic this is going to be a fantastic Fantastic Thor run and one for the ages that I would say uh, proves that Don, Donny Cates is just as worthy as, Aaron, as Jason Aaron. So at number two we have Far Sector. You knew it was going to be here. It's my favorite. It's consistently my favorite DC comic that is currently going right now. N.K. Jamison Jamal Campbell. They are crafting an incredible story with my favorite Green Lantern after Kyle Rayner. Like they are so popular and they this, uh, just smacked my, uh, my isolation shield here. Um, this story is so popular. The story is so successful. And Joe Molina is so dynamic as a character that they brought her into five G slash future state. Um, that's incredible. I think it is a fantastic, uh, argument for this character being probably the breakout star of the year. Um, and I cannot wait to see where Joe Malane and Far Sector go next. But it's not my book of the year. And my book of the year really, um, man, uh, what, can I, what can I say about this run that hasn't already been said by many people who are much more articulate than me? Um, this run has been incredible. It's been surprising, it has been delightful, and it has been a fantastic story about redeeming the man without fear. That's right, it is Daredevil, written by Chip Zdarsky with art by uh, Marco Cicchetto as well as uh, George Fornes or Jorge Fornes. It's so good, it's so good, it's so good. Um, This is probably my favorite Daredevil run since Mark Waid's run, which is my all-time favorite. Uh, This is a story of one man trying to leave his mark on the world, and his world just happens to be Hell's Kitchen and the city of New York. Um, This is an incredible character study on Matt Murdock, as well as Wilson Fisk, and it is a run of Daredevil that is going to be sticking around and is going to be talked about for a very, very, very long time. So do yourself a favor, check this out, check all of these books out uh, to recap on these uh, on these incredible books. Uh, at number five, we have Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen by uh, Matt Fraction and Steve Lieber, which you can collect all together. Uh, the paperback, I believe, is out now, so definitely check that out. And number four, we have Deceased, the franchise, which includes Unkillables, Hope at World's End, as well as Dead Planet, all written by Tom Taylor with various artists throughout. Uh, Dead Planet reunites him with the original, uh, Deceased artist Trevor Hairsine, so definitely check those out. And number three, we have Thor, written by Donny Cates, art by Nick Klein and Aaron Cuter. Uh, absolutely kick-ass start to a new run of thor number two we have far sector nk Jemison and jamal campbell uh just continuing on an incredible start from last from the end of last year and it is one of my favorite if not my favorite uh green lantern stories of the past decade so definitely check this out and at number one daredevil chip sadarsky marco Ciccetto george Fornes. um This is the book to be reading if you are reading Marvel books, if you are trying to get into comics right now, if you are trying to find a couple ongoings that you can jump into specifically for Marvel, Daredevil. Daredevil, 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 which I'm sure will make fans of Darecember very happy and is it is fitting for Darecember going on. Uh, go check out Matt Draper's entire uh, Darecember playlist. He will be releasing the final episode today as of the day that this episode drops. So, go check it out. It's wonderful. Um, and that brings us to the end of the uh, year in review. 2020, like I said, a story of highs, of lows. We've been through a lot. We've been through an incredibly dark time, but all of the geek culture that was on display and readily available uh, through this year made that time just that much brighter. So, uh, that does it for the Geek Explained. 2020 year in review, and we are now going to roll right on into, speaking of comics, this week's Comics Countdown. <laughs> Ooh, welcome back to this week's comics countdown. This is the segment of our show where I talk about the comics that I think you should be picking up this week. Whether it's at your local comic book shop, on Comicsology, or however you get your comics, these are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we take a look at this week's books, we got to take a look back at last week's books with the Geek's Pick of the Week of last week. And guys, I, I, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. It was Secret Origins. It was the Superboy Prime book. It was the dumb Superboy Prime book. Um, I just, I loved it. I have a soft spot. I talked about this last week. I have a soft spot for Superboy Prime. He's the dumbest character in all of DC Comics. Um, But I love him so much. And I was pleasantly surprised because... um, I thought that Blackest Night gave him the best send-off that you could ask for, for that character. I was wrong. This book is the best send-off for this character that you could ask for. Gives you the full rundown of the character, how he fits into the greater event, as well as a true, I would say... um, a true ending slash reset for the character. Uh, you could leave him alone after this. You could tell more stories with him. But this was such a fantastic Superboy Prime story. And I'm glad that they decided to do this during their big ol' anti-crisis whatever. So, uh, big, big fan of that for sure. But that's last week's books. Let's talk about this week's books. We've got five books for you here to round out the year. Uh, the final Comics countdown of 2020. It's pretty exciting. Uh, we'll be talking about each book's title, creative team, and synopsis. And of course, these synopses will get my synopsis voices. So uh, let's go ahead and just dive into it. So, starting things off with Batman Annual Number Five. This is written by James Tynan IV with art by James Stokoe, the two Jameses. Uh, this is promising to be an interesting story. Uh, last week, was it last week? So either last week or the week before, the previous Batman issue gave us a great resolution to the Clown Hunter character, and it looks like this is going to give us even more of that character. I still think he's going to be Red X, who knows, who knows what happens in future state as we work our way into that, can't wait to see. I think it kicks off next week, right? Either way, uh, really excited to uh, dive into this. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The riveting new vigilante known as Clown Hunter was a breakout star of the Joker War. But what's the tragic origin of this teenage assassin? How did his parents die at the hands of the Joker? And is there a place for him in the evolving Gotham City? Can there be redemption for the infamous Clown Hunter? So yeah, uh, Clown Hunter, I really enjoyed him as a character. Can't wait to see where he goes next. Uh, I was a little disappointed that we're still getting more stuff from Ghostmaker but who knows? Who knows? Whatever. Um, He could factor in a big way come March when things go back to quote-unquote normal but either way, we shall see. Next up, we have X-Men number 16 written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Phil Noto. Big fan of the Phil Noto. Um, I still have no idea what's going on because I haven't caught up with ten of swords yet ah i'm crazy um but i have ordered the uh at least the comicsology, the digital version of the uh ten of swords event so i will be catching up with that in a couple weeks and maybe by then i'll figure out what the heck's going on <laughs> but i love the um The focus on Scott Summers, on the Summers family in the mainline X-Men book. And I'm excited to see where they go next with this. So let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. Ten of Swords Fallout. The Captain Commander of Krakoa made a fateful decision. There's no going back. So yeah, I don't know what this decision was. And I'm so excited because I have no idea what this decision was um really looking forward to this i've been loving this so far and i can't wait to see what the next chapter holds for scott summers and the whole summers clan next up we have legion of superheroes number 12 i know but i wanted to go at least to issue 12 and who knows this might be the final issue they are uh i haven't seen any um What's it called? Any solicitations for Legion of Superheroes past this, besides the future state stuff? So this might be, at least for now, the end of this book. And I will ride this out to completion. Um it's uh sorry, it's written by uh, Brian Michael Bendis with art by Wade von Graubauger as well as Ryan Sook. Um it's 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 got it's whatever. I'm just I'm looking past the Rogozar of it all to complete the story. Hopefully, we will see a good conclusion for this. Let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here. The battle for New Krypton is on. This powerhouse issue features the Legion confronting the greatest challenge of any era. With New Krypton on the verge of destruction at the hands of one of John Kent's deadliest foes, the young hero may have to make the ultimate sacrifice to save his friends, his family, and his heritage. But it could lead to the start of a monumental new chapter in the future of the DC Universe. Long live the Legion. So yeah, this is... Kind of, I mean, from that synopsis, it seems like it's ramping up to be this big conclusion. So who knows where Legion of Superheroes goes from here? Who knows where John Kent goes from here? Um rules are, man, whatever. Uh, moving on to Shang-Chi number four. This is written by Jean Lun Yang with art by Philip Tan as well as DK Ruan. Uh, I've been loving this Shang-Chi book. Uh, if you are as excited as I am about the Shang-Chi film, especially with that video that... Um, that the star who, for whatever reason, I'm blanking on his name right now. How is that? Hold on, Shang Chi. Uh, ta 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 Shang Chi. There's the Ten Rings? Simu Liu. Um, after that video that Simu Liu uh put out on uh, Twitter even more excited about it but if you're excited about Shang-Chi this is the book to dive into this is a great um, I would say a great primer for the character as well as his stories you can kind of go from here on where you want to like explore more about the character but this is a great great uh, book to jump in as a first introduction to the character for sure so let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here brothers and sisters part four Shang-Chi is at death's door. The deadly warrior is dying from a mortal wound, and it looks like there's only one person who can save him. His father? But he's dead. Right? So yeah, great, great story. Really been enjoying it. Uh, Shang-Chi for the win, always. So, uh, But the big book of the week, the book I think you should absolutely be picking up this week, is... Dark Knight's Death Metal: The Last Fifty Two War of the Multiverses. Uh, this is, I think, the last tie-in. I could be wrong, but it's the la- I believe is the last tie-in for Dark Knight's Death Metal, um, which is exciting because the, uh, like I said, the tie-ins have been, for me at least, the best part of Dark Knight's Death Metal. So uh, as we kind of go into that closing chapter, into the home stretch of the event, uh, we get one last giant tie in, which is promising a lot of stuff. So uh, for the creative teams, because this is just like uh, a couple of the others, uh, big anthology book, uh, the uh, characters and creative teams are as thus. First off, we have Wonder Woman in Fight. Uh, Written by Joshua Williamson and Scott Snyder, with art by Dexter Soy and Scott Koblish. We have Superman in First and Last Men, uh, written by Magdalene Visaggio. I am so sorry, with uh, art by Paul Pelletier, Uh, Batman in The Batman Who Laugh, plural, Uh, written by James Tyne IV, with art by Alex Malev, that's exciting. Uh, the Atom in Unstable Atoms, written by Kyle Higgins, my boy Kyle Higgins, with art by Scott Collins, really excited about that. Uh, Lois Lane in No More Superheroes, written by Regine Sawyer, with art by Aletha Martinez. Uh, Raven in Falling Through the Cracks, written by Shay Grayson, with art by Popmon. Um, yeah, that's... <laughs> i'm just gonna say that's how that's pronounced um the penguin in apicus uh written by marguerite bennett with art by inaki miranda miranda i'm so sorry uh john constantine in armageddon blues written by matthew rosenberg yay with art by rob guillery i'm so sorry uh and then finally uh, swamp thing in reign of the swamp king written by justin jordan with art by mike henderson so a lot of stuff going on here let's go ahead and dive into the synopsis here what would it take to get every being left in the multiverse to side together in the ultimate final showdown total decimation and the complete undoing of all existence The Batman Who Laughs has made his final move, bringing the most horrifying opposition to the battleground. And now every hero and villain left alive will stand and fight together. This epic battle book details every side of the last war across the multiverse. Wonder Woman leading the heroes, Superman leading the villains, and Batman leading the dead. Everyone has to play their part. Everyone and everything is at stake. So join here for the last of the DCU as we... Know it, so yeah, this is apparently some giant uh send off for the DC multiverse. Which, um, I'm not going to get into it because news is for next week, but uh, it's kind of a big deal because as we know, you know, the DC comics line is going to look very different post future state, so uh, we'll see what happens there. But to recap, We have Batman Annual Number 5, X Men Number 16, Legion of Superheroes Number 12, Shang-Chi Number 4, and Dark Knight's Death Metal The Last 52: War of the Multiverses. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Explain podcast and you like what I do here, please feel free to subscribe on the podcasting platform of your choice so you don't miss a single episode. Uh, we put out new episodes every single Wednesday, usually, except for the last two weeks. Um, and honestly, you know subscribing to us really helps out the podcast really helps out me kind of raises our stock in uh the podcasting space and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you also you can follow us on Geek on uh on geeksplain on twitter and instagram at explained pod that's at geeksplain pod to keep up to date with all the happenings with the podcast uh we do polls on there. I announce different things. That's where you can find immediate links to our newest episodes. So if you want to keep up with the podcast, that is the place to go. Uh, Also, uh, if you would be so kind, if you did like this episode, if you like what you heard, uh, please do think about giving us a uh, rating and review. Uh, really, really helps us out. Getting us getting feedback for the podcast is the most valuable thing I could uh, I could ask for from you guys and gals as listeners. Um, this is ultimately a podcast by a geek for geeks, so getting those rating and reviews really does help me out personally. Uh, I am, you know, coming up on our three-year anniversary here in March, so uh, the podcast is still growing every single week, and I would love to have more ratings and reviews. And if you give us a 5-star rating and review on uh, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it, you will have your review read right here on the podcast. You can join our four horsemen, that being C-Fire ND, Josh from Bannels to Pixels, Matt Draper, and our newest edition, Burrito Man 88. I want to give a big thank you to all four of them for their incredible 5-star rating and reviews. So yeah. Yeah, if you want to have your review read right here on the podcast, you can write whatever you want. You give me that five star uh, rating and uh, I'll read it right here. Also, if you want to be part of our Geek Explain mailbag, if you have a question for me, you want to get my opinion on something, uh, you want to get a quick pitch. Um, just unprepared questions that I don't uh, do any kind of notes or anything for, Uh, feel free to send emails to me to geeksplained at gmail.com with the subject header mailbag, uh, and I'll read them out on here and give you my unfiltered thoughts on them. I've had some great uh, emails that I've gotten to respond to this year, and I am excited to get more. I'm hungry for more, so send them on over, and I will uh, have them read on the podcast, but... Uh, Overall, that's it for Geeksplained in 2020. Like This this has been a huge year for the podcast. Honestly, um, if you'll give me just a second to kind of gush, uh, this has been a big year for the podcast. Uh, Bigger than I really imagined it was going to be. Uh, With the pandemic and with uh, quarantine and lockdown and everything, I got a lot of uh, extra time to kind of work on the podcast and really do some things that I didn't think would be possible. Uh, When I first kicked off the podcast years ago, um, I got to have incredible guests on the podcast this year. I sincerely cherish every guest I've ever had on this show, but this last year kind of felt like a Brave and the Bold season because I was having some amazing guests, so I want to give a big thank you to guests like Matt Draper, Malcolm Joshua Russell Nelson, Kanan Bachtel, John Noble, and Dustin Reefer for being uh some guest geeks on the geeksplain podcast for some of my favorite episodes i've ever done for this podcast we also got to do some we got to hit some big milestones i got to do my first ever uh big big uh guest event anime which we did this past year was it or this past may the whole month of may was dedicated to anime and i had uh all three of my guests kane and john and dustin come on which uh I guess culminated in a big finale where we talked about our favorite anime of all time had a wonderful time chatting with those uh, those geeks and I am hungry to do more so if you enjoyed anime and you'd like to see it come back next year feel free to let me know on that I also got to do another series Geektober which was uh, some of the most fun I had in the entire year had a great time uh, getting to dive into the horror aspect I don't really dive into that a whole lot on this podcast so it was a fun time and i might do it again for 2021 i also got to be part of uh a couple big um big collaborations i kicked things off with uh the one horrifying moment my entry uh, is on the uh is in the feed go ahead and check that out and then i also got to be part of praise patrol which i absolutely love and adore uh, it was put together by cole from critical rants and um it was some of the most fun I've had, really breaking down a character and really getting to talk and gush about how much I love *Rita Far* and *Doom Patrol* as a whole. Uh, if you haven't yet, go check out *Praise Patrol* on YouTube. Uh, just search that. The entire playlist is there. You can check that out, uh, including our first ever Geeksplained video. It's on YouTube. We're on YouTube. I don't know if it's going to be a regular thing. It probably won't because I am, uh, I'm not a video editor guy. I am an audio editor guy, but that may change next year. Who knows? Um, I didn't think I was going to be part of an incredible, uh, collaboration like Praise Patrol when this whole, uh, when this year kicked off. So you never know where the year is going to take you. Um, I also got to just gush about some of my favorite comics this year. Superman smashes the clan, uh, Fractions Hawkeye, uh, comics that are near and dear to my heart, and we hit a huge milestone with our 100th episode earlier this year. I got to finish off Volume 2 with our 100th episode, which was uh, my pitch it for Superman the movie, my version of a Superman movie. It's still my favorite episode I've ever done on this podcast. If you haven't listened to it, it is an in-depth pitch. I go essentially beat for beat for for that episode but uh, putting it all together, coming up with a story, um, I st- it's it's something that I still hold near and dear to my heart. It is something that I absolutely love, and I love to share around. So, uh, especially in a year where we've heard that W, you know, Warner Brothers doesn't know what to do with Superman, uh, it was I wear it like a badge of honor that I got to pitch, you know, something that even if it's even if it will. It will never get made, but just having that, having something that is wholly my creation um, with a character that I have uh, idolized since I was a little kid uh, is very, very cool, and I would urge you, if you haven't listened to that episode yet, please do go check it out. It is in the feed, our 100th episode, Pitch It Superman, Um, and honestly, this year has been just, uh, it's been crazy. It's been crazy time. Um, I've learned a lot about myself. I've gone through a lot personally, um, especially in this back half of the year. Um, I've gotten to you know further my career in voice acting. Um, I've gotten to work with clients like Chipotle, with Aramark, with Apple, like big old. Um, uh, big clients and I'm excited to see where 21 or 2021 takes me further with that. I'm also in a competition. I haven't talked about it at all, but I'm officially in the semifinals for the Now Voice This competition on Twitter. Um, it's run by the amazing legendary voice actor Chuck Huber and it has been uh, incredible going through each round and being able to make it this far um, into the semifinals, into the top 75 after over 2,500 voice actors, uh, came into that first round. Um, it's a huge deal for me and really, um, uh, some incredible validation that I really needed because I've been feeling a little stagnant throughout the year. Um, but honestly, this has been a huge growth year for me. It's been a huge growth year for the podcast. And I just want to thank you as listeners for taking the time out of your week, you know, taking the time out of your lives each week to hear me, you know, rant about, uh, dumb stuff into a microphone. I absolutely love this. I love talking about stuff. This whole podcast, I say it all the time, but this podcast started with me just wanting to have the kind of geeky conversations that I couldn't have, you know, since I moved out here. I used to have these all the time with um, with my friends back in Tucson, and coming out here and not being able to have that outlet spawned the idea for this Uh, for this podcast. And I cannot, I cannot stress to you how much I love and appreciate all of you for taking the time to listen to me each week. It means the world to me. And I hope that I continue to grow the podcast, continue to put out episodes that, you know, really speak to people, you know, both figuratively and literally as well um because I love doing this. It's something that I never envisioned myself doing and ever since I started it a few years ago, I can't picture not doing this podcast. So, uh, I've got a lot of big stuff lined up for 2021 that I'm really excited about. I cannot wait to share with you. Um next week, next week the first uh the first Geek Explain podcast of 2021 is going to be a Geek Explain forecast for the stuff that I'm most excited about for the year. So look forward to that next week. Same geek time, same geek channel, different geek year. Haha, gotcha. Um, so uh, check that out next week. The first Geek Explain podcast of the new year. Cannot wait to see you, figuratively, see you, literally talk to you then. So, um, until then, for Geek this is Eric Azana. Thank you so much for listening. Honestly, it means the world. It really does. Um, really, thank you so much for listening to this humble little geek and his funny little podcast. Um, be safe, stay safe, and uh, we will see you next year. Happy New Year, everybody we made it oh my god we made it 2020 is over yes